Chapter Ten of Ormond by Maria Edgeworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. One day, when Harry Ormond was out shooting with Moriarty Carroll, Moriarty abruptly began with, "Why then, tis what I am thinking, Master Harry, that King Corney don't know as much of that white Connell as I do." "What do you know of Mister Connell?" said Harry, loading his piece. "I didn't know you had ever seen him." oh but i did and no great sight to see unlike the father old connell of glen who is the gentleman to the last every inch even with the coat dropping off his back and the son with the best coat in christendom has not the look of a gentleman at all at all nor hasn't it in him inside no more than outside you may be mistaken there as you have never been within side of him moriarty said ormond oh faith and if i have not been with inside of him i have heard enough from them that seen him turned inside out hot and cold sure i went down there last summer to his country to see a shister of my own that's married in it and lives just by connell's town as the man calls that sheep farm of his well let the gentleman call his own place what he will oh he may call it what he pleases for me i know what the country calls him and lest your honour should not ax me i'll tell you they call him white connell the negra think of him that would stand brow-baitin the butcher an hour to bait down the farthin a pound in the price of the worst bits of the meat which he'd bespake always for the servants or stand he would i've seen him with my own eyes higglin with the poor child with the apron round the neck that was sent to sell him the eggs hush moriarty said ormond who did not wish to hear any farther particulars of mr connell's domestic economy and he silenced moriarty by pointing to a bird but the bird flew away and moriarty returned to his point i wouldn't be tellin the like of any gentleman but to show the nature of him the minute after he had screwed the halfpenny out of the child he'd throw down maybe fifty guineas in gold for the horse he'd fancy for his own ridin not that he rides better than the sack goin to the mill nor so well but that he might have it to show and say he was better mounted than any man at the fair and the same he'd throw away more guineas than i could tell at the head of a short-horned bull or a long-horned bull or some kind of a bull from england maybe just because he'd think nobody else had one of the breed in all ireland but himself a very good thing at least for the country to improve the breed of cattle the country tis little the man thinks of the country that never thought of anything but himself since his mother sucked him suckled him you mean said harry no matter i'm no spaker but i know that man's character nevertheless he is rich but a very bad character the poor gives him up and down perhaps because he is rich not at all the poor loves the rich that helps with the kind heart don't we all love king corney to the blacken of his shoes oh there's the difference 
who could like the man that's always talkin of the creatures and yet to save the life of the poorest creature that's forced to live under him wouldn't forbear to drive and pound and process for the little con acre the potato ridge the cow's grass or the trifle for the woman's peck of flax was she dyin and sell the woman's last blanket white connell is a hard man and takes all to the uttermost farthin the law allows well even so i suppose the law does not allow him more than his due said ormond oh beggin your pardon master harry said moriarty that's because you are not a lawyer and are you said harry only as we all are through the country and now i'll only just tell you master harry how this white connell served my shister's husband who was an under-tenant to him see the case was this oh don't tell me a long case for pity's sake i am no lawyer i shall not understand a word of it but then sir through the whole concernin white connell what i'm thinkin of master harry said moriarty is i'm grievin that a daughter of our dear king corney and such a pretty likely girl as miss dora say no more moriarty for there's a partridge oh is it so with you thought moriarty that's just what i wanted to know and i'll keep your secret i don't forget peggy sheridan and his goodness moriarty said not a word more about white connell or miss dora and he and harry shot a great many birds this day it is astonishing how quickly and how justly the lower class of people in ireland discover and appreciate the characters of their superiors especially of the class just above them in rank ormond hoped that moriarty had been prejudiced in his account of white connell and that private feelings had induced him to exaggerate harry was persuaded of this because cornelius o'shane had spoken to him of connell and had never represented him to be a hard man in fact o'shane did not know him white connell had a property in a distant county where he resided and only came from time to time to see his father o'shane had then wondered to see the son grown so unlike the father and he attributed the difference to white connell's having turned grazier the having derogated from the dignity of an idle gentleman and having turned grazier was his chief fault in king corney's eyes so that the only point in connell's character and conduct for which he deserved esteem was that for which his intended father-in-law despised him connell had early been taught by his father's example who was an idle decayed good gentleman of the old irish stock that genealogies and old maps of estates in other people's possessions do not gain quite so much respect in this world as solid wealth the son was determined therefore to get money but in his horror of his father's indolence and poverty he ran into a contrary extreme he became not only industrious but rapacious 
in going lately to dublin to settle with the salesmaster he had called on dora at her aunt's in dublin and he had been greatly struck as he said with miss o'shane she was as fine a girl as any in ireland turn out who they could against her all her points good but better than beauty she would be no contemptible fortune with her aunt's assistance she would cut up well she was certain of all her father's black islands fine improvable land if well managed these considerations had their full effect connell knowing that the young lady was his destined bride had begun by taking the matter coolly and resolving to wait for the properest time to wed yet the sight of dora's charms had so wrought upon him that he was now impatient to conclude the marriage immediately directly after seeing dora in dublin he had gone home and put things in order and in train to bear his absence while he should pay a visit to the black islands business which must always be considered before pleasure had detained him at home longer than he had foreseen but now certain rumours he heard of gay doings in the black islands and a letter from his father advising him not to delay longer paying his respects at corney castle determined him to set out he wrote to mr o'shane to announce his intention and begged to have the answer directed to his father's at glynn one morning as miss ophelia mr o'shane and ormond were at breakfast dora who was usually late not having yet appeared miss ophelia saw a little boy running across the fields towards the house that boy runs as if he was bringing news said she so he has a right to do said corney if i don't mistake that's the post that is it is not the post but a little special of my own a messenger i sent off to catch post to do what said mademoiselle why to catch post said corney i bid him gallop off for the life and put across lake understood to the next post town which is ballinasluger and to put in the letters that were too late here at that office there and to bring back whatever he found with no delay but gallop off for the bare life this was an operation which the boy performed whenever requisite at the imminent hazard of his neck every time to say nothing of his chance of drowning well catch post my little rascal said king corney what have you for us the day oh, i got nothing at all only a wetton for myself please your honour and one bit of a note for your honour which i have here for you as dry as the bone in my breast he produced the bit of a note which king corney's hands being at that time too full of the eggs and the kettle to receive graciously was laid down on the corner of the table from which it fell and miss ophelia picking it up and holding it by one corner exclaimed is this what you call dry as a bone in this country and mighty clean too Fah! when will this entire nation leave off chewing tobacco i wonder this is what you style clean too in this country why then said the boy looking close at the letter i thought it was clean enough when i got it and give it but tis not so clean now sure enough 
this corner whatever come over it would it be the snuff my lady the mark of miss ophelia's thumb was so visible and the snuff so palpable and the effort to brush it from the wet paper so disastrous that miss ophelia let the matter rest where it was king corney put silver into the boy's hand bidding him not to be too much of a rogue the boy smiling furtively twitched the hair on his forehead bobbed his head in sign of thanks and drawing not shutting the door after him disappeared as sure as i'm cornelius o'shane this is white connell in propria persona said he opening the note mon dieu bon dieu ah dieu cried mademoiselle ophelia hush whisht cried the father here's dora coming dora came in any letter for me ay darling one for you oh give it me i'm always in a desperate hurry for my letters where is it no you need not hold out your pretty hand the letter is for you but not to you said king corney and now you know ay now you guess my quick little blusher who tis from i guess not i indeed not worth my guessing cried dora throwing herself sideways into a chair my tea if you please aunt then taking the cup without adverting to harry who handed it to her she began stirring the tea as if it and all things shared her scorn ma chère mon chat said mademoiselle ophelia you are quite right to spare yourself the trouble of guessing for i give it you in two i give it you in four i give it you in eight and you would never guess right figure to yourself only that a man who has the audacity to call himself a lover of miss o'shane's could fold could seal could direct a letter in such a manner as this which you here behold dora who during this speech had sat fishing for sugar in her teacup raised her long eyelashes and shot a scornful glance at the letter but intercepting a crossing look of ormond's the expression of her countenance suddenly changed and with perfect composure she observed a man may fold a letter badly and be nevertheless a very good man that nobody can possibly contradict said her father and on all occasions tis a comfort to be able to say what no one can contradict no well-bred person will never contradict nothing said miss ophelia but without contradicting you my child resumed miss ophelia i maintain the impossibility of his being a gentleman who folds a letter so but if folding a letter is all a man wants of being a gentleman said dora it might be learnt i should think it might be taught if you were the teacher dora it might surely said her father but heaven i trust will arrange that better said mademoiselle whatever heaven arranges must be best said dora heaven and your father if you please dora said her father put that and that together like a dutiful daughter as you must be must 
said dora angrily that offensive must slipped out by mistake darling i meant only being you you must be all that's dutiful and good oh said dora that's another view of the subject you have a very imperfect view of the subject yet said her father for you have both been so taken up with the manner that you have never thought of inquiring into the matter of this letter and what is the matter said miss ophelia form continued the father addressing himself to his daughter form i acknowledge is one thing and a great thing in a daughter's eyes dora blushed but in a father's eyes substance is apt to be more dora raised her cup and saucer together to her lips at this instant so that the substance of the saucer completely hid her face from her father but said miss ophelia you have not told us yet what the man says he says he will be here whenever we please that's never said miss ophelia never i'd give for answer if my pleasure is to be consulted luckily there's another person's pleasure to be consulted here said the father keeping his eyes fixed upon his daughter another cup of tea aunt if you please then the sooner the better i say continued her father for when a disagreeable thing is to be done that is when a thing that's not quite agreeable to a young lady such as marriage dora took the cup of tea from her aunt's hand harry not interfering i say persisted her father the sooner it's done and over the better dora saw that ormond's eyes were fixed upon her she suddenly tasted and suddenly started back from her scalding tea harry involuntarily uttered some exclamation of pity she turned and seeing his eyes still fixed upon her said very rude sir to stare at any one so i only thought you had scalded yourself then you only thought wrong at any rate there's no great occasion to be angry with me dora and who is angry pray mr ormond what put it in your head that i was doing you the honour to be angry with you the cream the cream cried miss ophelia a sudden motion we must not say an angry motion of dora's elbow had at this moment overset the cream ewer but harry set it up again before its contents poured on her new riding habit thank you said she thank you but added she changing the places of the cream ewer and cups and saucers before her i'd rather manage my own affairs my own way if you'd let me mr ormond if you'd leave me i can take care of myself my own way i beg your pardon for saving your habit from destruction for that is the only cause of offence that i am conscious of having given but i leave you to your own way as i am ordered said he rising from the breakfast-table sparring sparring again you two said dora's father but dora i wonder whether you and white connell were sparring that way when you met time enough for that sir after marriage said dora our hero 
who had stood leaning on the back of his chair fearing that he had been too abrupt in what he had said cast a lingering look at dora as her father spoke about white connell and as she replied but there was something so unfeminine so unamiable so decided and bold he thought in the tone of her voice as she pronounced the word marriage that he then without reluctance and with a feeling of disgust quitted the room and left her to manage her own affairs and to take her own way End of chapter ten